Can we give the Lord a big hand clap today? Come on. I am astounded, amazed, I'm excited, and you know what? I'm going on my 19th year of snapping baseball bats for Jesus. And you know what? People say, when does it stop? I haven't seen the word retire in the Bible yet, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? You know why I do what I do? Last week in Texarkana, a girl walked up to me, and you know what she said? Three days ago, I was going to kill myself. She said, you were in my school, and I heard your message of hope, of being a champion. And she said, you know what? I've been hanging out with the wrong friends. I got rid of those friends. I got rid of those friends. And she said, God will bring me better friends. And I got to have a word of prayer with her. And you know what's awesome about this style of ministry? I get to go where no preachers get to go today in America. I get to go into the greatest mission field, America's public schools. And I got to tell you, there are miracles that are happening in northern Iowa. We had two teachers come out, set them in the front row with their families. They gave their heart to Jesus. The football coach got saved, brought his kids. They got saved. And then the week before that, this one blew me away, Brother Joe. I thought I'd seen it all. The county sheriff brought four of his deputies to be my bodyguard for the week at the crusade, right? That was like really funny. But you know what? I was like, Lord, you got them here for a reason. This is going to be cool. And they are in full uniform. Well, the first night, three out of the four are weeping like babies. They come forward, give their heart to Jesus in their uniform. The next night, they bring the whole jail to the revival. They bring them in the jumpsuit. All the men from the jail get saved, radically saved. I was blown away. Then the head sheriff, the real tough guy, the one who looked like he wasn't having fun, he gets saved. He drops to his knees. He's weeping. And you know what? He's been back to that church on Sunday morning ever since, and he got water baptized with his son. How many think that's what it should be about, church? I stand here amazed that God does use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And you know why I break things? Did you hear that awesome worship today? Did you hear what I heard? That's talent. That's ability. That's a talent I don't have. If you heard me sing, you know why God gave me muscles. Amen? Come on. I'm just being real honest with you. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. But I break stuff pretty good. Come on. And you know what? Hey, God wants to use your talents and abilities. I said, God wants to use your talents and your abilities. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? As I travel across the world, I see a lot of Christians' cars, right? Hey, they get saved at a crusade. Pastor Joe, whoo, Jesus, Jesus. They're fired up. They're pumped up for Jesus, and I love that. But I come back to the church in a year. Hey, we're so-and-so. Well, they're not really going to church anymore. Well, they got involved with this person, that person, these drugs, that drug. You know what I found out? Christianity. Hey, it's good to have a zealous attitude. It's awesome to go after God with everything in you, but I got to be honest with you. What I found in a lot of our cars today in America, there's a little button called cruise control. Folks, when people find the cruise control in Christianity, they think they can just cruise their way into heaven. Hey, they don't have to win any more people to Jesus. Hey, I just show up to church, hope things get better. Oh, the pastor can make it with Mount. You know what? The pastors, they spin about 50 plates at one time, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? Hey, this church needs what you have. You may say, well, I don't have a whole lot to give. Good, just give God your little bit then. If you do what you can with what you have where you're at, God will increase what you have, and he won't leave you where you're at. Come on, somebody. I said, God will take you to the next level. You know what? I read this powerful illustration. I thought it'd be fitting today. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, paints a wonderful illustration. If you have your Bibles, turn there, Mark, chapter 3. And I want you to see this illustration. It's so awesome how this story, it literally speaks to my heart. I'm going to share that. Mark 3, I'm going to read this. 
Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand or a withered hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand or stretch forth your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Isn't that interesting at the end here of this text? Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod how to plot to kill Jesus. Wow. That's really encouraging, amen? And what I love about this story, you may not know today, is handicaps, lepers, diseased people back in the day of Jesus or someone on the exterior who looked like they weren't like everyone else. You know what men in society did to them? They put you in a corner. They push you away from everybody else. And this story shows me the heart of God. Jesus walks into the synagogue, and what's awesome about this story is Jesus seemingly does not go to the people who look like on the outside. They got it all together. Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter. The man who men had pushed in the corner, snubbed, pushed away. You know what? Jesus went right up to him. The less fortunate. Can you imagine the humiliation this poor guy had went through his whole life? Think about the criticizing, the judgmental attitude. Well, he doesn't look like everyone. He probably doesn't talk like everyone else. He isn't normal like the rest of us. And society pushes him in a corner. Jesus comes and tells him to stand in front of everyone. You know what I've learned? The devil, the enemy, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He attempts to do the same thing to us today, Christian. You know what he tries to do? Push us in the corner and separate us from that seed of potential that God has planted on the inside of each and every one of us. An attitude to win, an attitude to overcome. He is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask, think, or comprehend. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. And you know what? I know many people and I've met them. Pastor Joel knows this. He's been to my crusades. I meet thousands of people throughout the course of a year. Let me say this in a right way. How do we think when we feel less fortunate, we make a mistake, we hit a speed bump in the middle of the road, and we mess up, why do we as Christians say, well, I'm going to pull myself out of the game, and I'm just going to quit? Who gives us that authority to quit? Ladies and gentlemen, quit. There's no quit, because you know what? Watch this. I need somebody really smart. Real smart. Who's real smart? Is there anybody smart here today? Really? Are you guys up for this? I need you in the blue shirt right there. Come on up here. Let's give him a hand clap. He's going to step out today in faith. Smart guy. Come on. Let's give him a hand. Here he goes. How are you doing, sir? And what is your name? Chase. Everyone say hi, Chase. Chase, come on up here, man. You're a pretty big guy. How old are you, sir? 13. 13. What grade are you in? Eighth. Pretty big boy, man, right? You know I can rip phone books. I can rip license plates with my bare hands. You can't do that, right? But see this? This is a $5 bill. How much is it worth? $5. Gosh, he's good. Give him a hand. I knew, I knew it. I knew you'd be good at this. But Chase, watch closely, don't miss it. $5 bill in my grip, which I can rip 2,000 pages at one time. Look at this, sir. Ugh. Now, my friend, how much is it worth? $5. He's real good. But I'm six foot four, roughly in the 290 to 295 range, size 15-inch shoe, $5 bill. So far, so good. There it is, right there. Now, Mr. Smarty Pants, how much is it worth? $5. Here you go. Be blessed. Get out of here. You're too good. 
Give him a hand clap, golly, he's good. I knew it, I knew, oh, man. Steve, the point is what? You may be sitting in this chair, come to this church this day and feel as though you've been crushed, stepped on in life, wiped through the armpit of life, born on the wrong side of the track, born with the wrong color of skin. The good news you need to know today is your heavenly father, he's got it all under control because in his eyes, your value never changes. Your value never changes. It doesn't matter where you've been. He's concerned where you're going. He's got an awesome plan for your life. And just like this man, Jesus called, he who began a good work in you, in me, is faithful to complete it until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means what? Even though we mess up, we fall short. Life in the fast lane, we start out, we mess up, get in the cruise control mode. Jesus is on our side. He's got our back. Ladies and gentlemen, imagine this poor guy. Jesus calls him to stand in front of everyone. Stretch out your hand. Well, don't you think that would have been a little embarrassing? Come on, folks. Let's be honest. Well, I bet he was good at one thing. You know what he was good? He was conditioned to hide that weakness. He was so good at it, I bet. And you know what? We as Christians, when you get in cruise control mode, it, I've seen it all across the board. Hey, how you doing today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's good. God is great. And on the inside, they're going through hell. And on the inside, the storms of life are beating them down. But God is so, yep, you know, I'm okay. You know what Jesus wants? One thing, honesty. That's it, simple, honesty. And you know what he wants us to do? Not hide the weakness, but stretch forth. Lord, here's my area of my life that's withered away spiritually. Lord, don't run from him. Run to him, ladies and gentlemen, because daddy's got your back. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And you know what? We as people get so good at hiding those little areas of our life, and nobody knows. He knows. I said he knows. Ladies and gentlemen, as I stand on this platform this morning, I could have never imagined how God would have picked someone like me to touch millions of lives all over the world. I was born crippled. I was the skinniest kid in my school. I wore braces from my waist to my feet. I walked funny. I, I st st stuttered. I had a speech impediment problem. I had to go to a speech therapist to learn how to enunciate my words. I had to go to physical therapists to learn how to walk. 12 buckles down each side of my leg. My dream to play basketball. You know what everyone said? No, you can't. You won't. We'll never pick you. You're not good enough. You can't jump high enough. You'll never run fast enough. There it is. Men pushing me in the corner, setting limits on my life. You're limitless unless you limit yourself. Come on, you're limitless in Jesus. He's got a plan for your life. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more. And you know what? Hey, I gotta be honest with you. Who would have ever imagined the skinniest, weakest kid? And I began going to these sports therapists, working with these doctors. I was embarrassed, it was humiliating, it was, it was tough. And you know what? I was picked on and bullied my whole life. They picked on me then, but they don't pick on me now. Come on. And you know what? God, he's still in the miracle working business today because when God fixes something, he fixes it real good. He doesn't make mistakes or junk, and you are not here by accident today. You're here by divine design. God's planned you, purposed you for such a time as this. And you know what? Hey, who would have ever imagined? My dad took me to the best sports therapist on the planet. One day, those braces came off, and I remember taking that first step with nobody helping me. Mom and dad not on each arm. I was walking, and you know what? A walk became a trot, became a run. I became the fastest track athlete in my school's history. 
tried out for my high school basketball team, became captain of the team, led them to a state championship, full-ride scholarship to play in Arkansas. Me, the nothing, the nobody, the throwaway, the one they said, you'll never make it. But you know what? God had a plan. God had a purpose. God had a call on my life. And God wants, you know what I've learned? You know what I've learned? There's a difference from religion and relationship. Hey, religion, you know what it teaches us to do, God's people? better believe this is true. It'll teach you to hide your weakness. And you know one of the greatest prayers you could pray this morning? Mark it down, write it down in your tablet. Help me, Jesus. I need your help today. Lord, help me. I need you today. The religious system teaches us to hide weakness. When Jesus, what he wants is honesty and for us to cry out, in spite of my weakness and infirmity, God picked me. I went on to gain 150 pounds without the use of steroids or strength-enhancing drugs. Went on to bench 550 pounds, squat over 800 pounds in powerlifting meets. When everyone said, this is impossible, you'll never do it, you'll never make it. You know what? God shut the mouths of my critics. And God came to my rescue. God will come to your rescue. And he'll fight your battles for you. If you put him first, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, then everything else is added unto you, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what? We have to be willing, church, be willing not to hide the weakness, but expose it, to stretch forth. God is calling each and every one of us. You know what? So many people say, well, you're an evangelist. Pastor Joel, he teaches and preaches, and the worship team, they worship. I don't have any talents to bring to the Lord. I can't. I can't. I can't. Do you have a neighbor? Do you have a Bible? Do you have a coffee pot? Welcome to full-time ministry. You want to hear the good news tonight? You're called today, this morning, you're called to full-time ministry because the good news right here in Sulphur Springs, you don't have to be a platform preacher to be called to the ministry. This church needs you. Your talents, your time, your treasure, your finance, it, it needs what you have, amen? I walked into a church, 2,000 people strong, Los Angeles, California, outside of Orange County, I was the main speaker, three services. Walked through the door, I was so impressed. Every single doorway, you know what they had? Precious little beautiful grandmas. They were the church greeters. Well, you know what I loved about them? They would stir your coffee and give you a little coffee and a Bible memory verse for the day. I was so impressed with their little ministry they had. You know what I told myself? There's gotta be a lead grandma. There's gotta be one head grandma to this group. Because how many know grandmas? You get them praying, they have a hotline to heaven. I don't know what it is, but they get her done. Amen? Come on. They know how to get prayer done. And I, and I said, where's the lead grandma? I want to talk. They said, it's Grandma Lois. She's over there. I said, hey, Grandma Lois, come here. She walked all the way over. Beautiful, precious attitude of Jesus, man. So full of God. She was like four foot two with her hair 6'11". You know what I'm saying? I mean, big hair, big hair, amen, come on, big hair, praise God. And I walked up, I said, Grandma Lois, and I put my little arm around her, she put her arm around me and said, we've been praying for you and interceding, God's going to move in this service. I said, thank you, Grandma Lois. I said, ma'am, what, what an incredible ministry you have here that you're heading up in this church. First thing she said, already disqualifying herself from her call. Well, it's not as good as your ministry. She said, you win thousands to the Lord, we watch you on TV. I said, Grandma Lois, don't discredit your work to the Lord. It's the same to God. I said, me breaking a bat is the same as you stirring a cup of coffee. It's the same in God's eyes. And don't ever, ever belittle your ministry. And you know what she said, crying? No one's ever told me that. Thank you for those kind words, sir. And I had a little word of prayer with her. She just walked off full of the joy of the Lord. And how many of you know comparing and competing in the body of Christ? 
What a bunch of nonsense. Come on, folks, we're all on level playing ground. Let's just be honest. We're called to make a difference. Don't let the enemy push you in the corner, discredit you, disable you. You know what? Comparing and competing in the body of Christ is like saying I can out-broad jump Carl Lewis, and we're both broad jumping the Grand Canyon. Come on. I'm 6'4", 300 pounds. I get up and take my run and jump an amazing 10 feet off the edge of the Grand Canyon. Woo-hoo. Wow. Carl Lewis, huh, the best in the business. Uh, that form, that technique, that speed, that velocity, boom, he hits it, jumps 30 feet. Out jumps me by 20. Come on. Carl don't have bragging rights. We both fell two miles short of the other side. We're both dead. Don't think for a minute where our talents and abilities are any better than anybody else's because you know what? The guys that stack my bricks tonight are just as important and to the eyes of the Lord as me breaking the bricks tonight. Amen? And you know what? This church needs your time, talent, and your treasure but you know something? This story is so powerful, Pastor Joel, because Jesus requires the man to do something. And the world is looking for a church that's different, that is called out, amen? And there's so many churches today full of people that talk to God one or, one or two times a week. God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this food, amen. Man, it's sad, but a lot of people, that's the extent of their prayer life. You know what he wants us to do? Crawl up into his lap every day, spend time with him, but that's so basic. Ladies and gentlemen, back to the basics. Put God first every day of your life. Maintain. You know what? My dad, you know what he, my father-in-law, you know what he did for a living? He raced for a living. He was a pro race car driver. And you know what he told me? The biggest thing is he drag raced and stock car raced. This guy, he was, he was, he had an insatiable appetite for cars, motors, and he showed me all this stuff in his garage. You know what he told me it takes to win big races? You got to maintain your car, son. You gotta do the maintenance work, you gotta keep up with it, come on. And if we wanna finish the race, hey, there's a lot of Christians, they start out quick, they get on, but you know what? The Priuses, they go a long way, don't they? Oh, grass mileage is very good. You know what Jesus wants us to just stick? The course, follow him. Put one foot in front of the other. Don't try to outdo anybody else. You know what? That's why I've been doing this for 19 years. I got saved at 10 years old in a church camp. I've never looked back one day. And you know what? I didn't have to sleep around, act like the world, talk like the world in high school, young person. College, I didn't have to party, do drugs, do dope, because you know why? Ladies and gentlemen, God had my back. And you may say today, Steve, that's all good and well, but my life's pretty good. My bank account's pretty full. I'm doing good. Grandkids are great. My kids are awesome, man. I don't have anything to really say today other than, hey, life's great. You know what I've learned in over 30 years of being a Christian? You know what I finally learned? Hello, thick skull. You know what I've learned? Jesus isn't concerned what I can do without him. He wants total dependency on him. He wants us to totally walk with him, talk with him, read his word, spend time with him, walk in his presence. The Holy Spirit will use you to do great things. You know what? Would we have the, the faith today, that weakness, that area in our life that's weak? Would we have the faith today to stretch forth? Charlotte, North Carolina, never forget this day. There was a 911 call that went out, true story. A little boy, well, I say little, he was eighth grade. He was in his apartment. He was on a chair, Joel, and he had a noose around his neck. He was going to kill himself. The officer got to the apartment, couldn't get through the door. It was dead bolted, so he took his nightstick and shattered the window in the bedroom, jumped in, got his knife, cut the rope. Thank God, saved this young man coincidentally. That week, I happened to be in his school. And I said, suicide's not the ultimate high, it's the ultimate lie. 
And I said, tough times don't last, tough people do. Man, that kid got so fired up in the school, he got an invite card to come to the church. I saved him a front row seat. His name was Philip. And I preached that night, and Philip was one of the first ones off the seat, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Man, it was so powerful. I'm like, Lord, can't believe you used me like this. I just feel so inadequate, so insufficient. Lord, thank you, Jesus. But the Lord showed me something else that night. I, I don't know why, but I felt led to do a second altar call. And I asked the people out in the audience, ask the person on your right and left on the count of three if they prayed the prayer. And you said, yes, would you just walk with me and come forward? I counted one, two, three. People began asking the audience and people were coming up. But I noticed Philip turned to his right and his left, turned around and looked at the back of the auditorium. You know who happened to be there? The officer who cut the rope. And he marched right back there. And I saw him do the whole thing and he screamed, hey, you saved my life, mister, this week. Thank you. Now it's my turn. Sir, would you go with me? Would you walk with me forward? And he walked forward. That officer was in full uniform, and they came forward. And that officer gave his heart to Jesus. And that night they were both water baptized to the glory of God. And you know what I've learned? Hey, so many people do church, go to church. They've been in church 30 years, and they've never made one day count for God. And you know what? Come on, folks. We're here to make a difference. And here a little Philip's been saved 30 seconds And he knew what it meant to stretch forth, to get out of the comfort zone and go help someone else. Hey, we have a great calling on our life. We better take the call of God very serious in our life, amen? Because you know what I've learned? People all over the world have spiritual barriers. Spiritual walls that separate them from a right relationship with Jesus Christ. They're good people. They go to church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Come on. you got to have an experience with Christ. I know firsthand. You know why I did that cruise control thing? I'll be honest. Remember what I said about vulnerability? Being honest? That was me. I grew up in the church. I heard the preacher preach every week about the goodness of God, about how Jesus paid the price for me. And you know what? Here I am going to church full-on cruise control, didn't care. No, I wasn't sleeping around. No, I wasn't partying, drinking, doing dough. But I, my heart was wrong. My attitude was wrong towards the Lord. And you know what? I was just cruising. I, you know what? I honestly thought I was going to heaven because I was a good person. And here I'm hiding that little weakness. What was it? Religion. Religious spirit. Religious attitude. By the way, when you get right down to it, isn't it interesting? The religious people hung Jesus on the cross. Crucify him. Here I am just, just doing this whole, just float down the river with everyone else. Attitude of I don't care until one day. And you know something? You know one thing I've learned? There's two types of groups in every church. Churchianity, Christianity. Christianity, grow up in Christ. Churchianity, grow up in church. That was me. I was growing up in church. Good person. Didn't do anybody wrong. But you know what? Church camp, that all changed. Sat in the back of an auditorium just like this one. 2,000 people there and that preacher preached and it happened. The knock at the door of my heart, the Holy Spirit began to tug at my heart and said, you know what? You need to get your heart right. You need to get your attitude right. And you know what I learned? God has called us to be fishers of men, not cleaners of fish. I was good at judging everybody else and looking at their shortcomings. And God says, well, what are you doing for me, son? You're not even in the game, boy. Come on, somebody. And you know what? I've learned that lesson well in that night. On the count of three, that preacher saw me raise my hand. And you know, for the first time, I didn't care who saw me. 
I wasn't ashamed. And for the first time, I got out of my seat and made a public profession of my faith in Christ and didn't care who saw me. Even my dad, who was a counselor there, saw his boy make the greatest decision to get rid of that rotten religious attitude and say, here I am, Lord, totally yielded to you. What a great lesson. And you know what? We're talking breaking things tonight at five o'clock and world records and all this is cool stuff, man. Hey, Pastor Joel and his wife, they love to have fun like everybody else. And we should have fun. There's one muscle that's going to count in the end. That's this one. Did you know on average 6,500 plus people a day die in America? Wow. 16-year-old girl came to my crusade. Never forget it. Left, went to Arby's with her girlfriends, walked out and died of a brain aneurysm. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. Only Christ is the cure for the disease called sin. And ladies and gentlemen, God's got a great call on your life. He's got a great purpose and a great destiny for you here. And you know what? Your faith, you got to have that faith to stretch forth today and expose. Maybe you've hid your weakness well, I understand, and the pain you may have, but he wants to lift you and that burden that's on your heart today. He did it for me. He can do it for you.